Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. All right. Um, Matthew, we're in Matthew 5. If you've got your Bibles or your U version, you can follow along. Mark, well, I'm just, I was just checking. <laughs> you don't believe me, do you? I, I don't know why I said Matthew. Um, so Mark chapter 5, we're going to be looking at verses 21 to 43. I'm glad some of you are reading the Gospel of Mark. Uh, feel free to read the Gospel of Matthew as well, but uh, we're reading through um, the Gospel of Mark today. Are you ready to go? Yeah. Whew. Holy Spirit, come. Uh, I don't know what you're like at staying focused. I can find the smallest of things to distract me. Are you, do you get distracted really easily? Some of you do. Some of you do. Yeah, I, you know, I know and I've got in my diary and things that I do and things that I want to do regularly and I go with a full expectation that I'm, um, I'm going to plan this, I'm going to prepare that, I'm, gonna, I'm going to tick uh, these items off my list uh, every day and then somehow I get to the day, and particularly about, uh, well actually anywhere from about half past ten to about half past two, um, just a hard slog sometimes. I just get there and I, I'm in, I know what I need to do, I know what has to be done and it's just, oh, I can find other things to procrastinate. I can check my emails six times. Even if I know there's nothing there, even if that little uh, icon on my computer says checking mail and no new mail. That's okay, I'll check it again in a couple of minutes. Someone will love me. Um, so uh, I can find plenty of distractions and uh, it's called procrastination I know, the, the art of putting things off or finding other things to do. I actually read an article some time ago, and I've got no source, but I've actually read a couple of articles where they've said uh, procrastination actually encourages creativity. And I go, oh, yay! Come creative flow! And then still at half past two, three o'clock, I'm procrastinating. So it's a wonder I get anything done, quite frankly. Some days. Do you, does other people feel like that, surely? Surely other people feel like that. But uh, what they've said about procrastination is that if, you're, if you get stuck on a particular project or a particular idea, it's actually healthy for you to go off and find other things to do or get distracted by other things because your brain kind of rests from that project and it gives energy to this project and it gives space for the neurons and electrons and whatever else-ons might be in your brain to fire up and give a solution or give another possibility to this first project that you might be working on. But we all know too that procrastination can be a huge distraction. It prevents us from stepping into our purpose at times. Many of my school reports actually said Simon would be a whole lot better if he actually started on time. Particularly writing essays and English essays. I had all these wondrous ideas. I loved writing year 10 English that I went to, but it would take me ages to get that first sentence out. It drove me nuts because I felt like the first sentence had to be perfect. I would find too many other things to do. Procrastination can be a gift and somewhat something that leads into a distraction that just leads us down a rabbit warren. 
Now, and this is part of the story, this is part of the tension that I think we sometimes uh, feel when we're following Jesus. We feel this sense of what we're meant to be doing and then what actually happens. And I want to reveal to us today the opportunity both to meet with Jesus and the example of Jesus. All right, so wherever you might be sitting, you might need to hear something today that actually encourages you in the ways that you meet with Jesus. But if you're going strong in Jesus, I hope this is a really a huge encouragement in your relationship and in the way that you view what happens during the week. So here's Mark chapter 5, verse 21 through to 34. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. So remember a couple of weeks ago, he left. This is the same spot that he left from. He traveled to the other side of the lake and on the way there was a huge storm. The other side of the lake was where the non Jewish people were the other side of the tracks, the unholy people, ungodly people. So Jesus has now made his way back and he's come, you know, he's come back to his people, if you want to put it like that. Verse 22, Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Seems pretty reasonable, doesn't it? Yep. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realised that power had gone out for him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you. I reckon the disciples get a bit of attitude. You see the crowd here, Jesus. You've seen the crowd for days. What is wrong with you? That's what they're really saying. And yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now, I know, again, with the gospel, uh, there's not just one thing. With any gospel, with any scripture reading, you know, we all know that we can go and read scripture and we can read the same text over and over and over again and see something different. So you might be thinking, you might be seeing something that's really grabbed your attention there. I want to I encourage you, that's actually might be the Holy Spirit just inviting you into his space there. So if there's something or a sentence here that I don't unpack anymore and you'd love to hear more of it, just stay with the Holy Spirit in that. Trust him in that. Okay? So I'm going to focus on a couple of things here, but they, you might be disappointed, but trust the Holy Spirit with what he's given you to reveal and to focus on. Now, I actually love and um, it just blows me away every time that I read the distinction of how the approach happens. Um, 
the synagogue leader's name, Jairus, came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and he pleaded earnestly with him. Right? There's a, there's a boldness, there's a certainty, there's a, there's a knowing about how he can come to Jesus. He's, there's a confidence, I guess you could say. Yeah? Yeah, he's, he's seen what Jesus has done. He's recognised what Jesus has done. He knows that he can go to the feet of Jesus with boldness and with clarity. But this woman comes up um, who has suffered for years and years and years. She came up behind him. Now, I suspect this woman has either heard the stories or she's been a part of the crowd at risk to her own life at different times. She's been a part of the crowd or heard the stories enough to know what Jesus has done. To have some idea that this man is uniquely different to any other healing professional that she's encountered. Now because of law and because of understanding, she might have been hiding herself, but she felt like she wasn't in a position to even come and make herself known to Jesus. And as I was even sitting here again this morning, I felt like this is something that um, some of us need to hear. If you're just here today and all you've got is to touch the edge of Jesus' cloak, all you've got is just to reach out and go, well, I'm here and that's all I've got, Jesus. That is enough. If all you've got, you're sitting here and you're thinking, I hope nobody else notices me, I hope nobody else sees me, or in fact you've sat here for a period of time or sat in any church for a period of time and said, nobody knows me, and yet you still come to the feet of Jesus, you come to touch the edge of the cloak, that is enough. All she wants is to be healed. All this woman wants is to be set free. The same as a synagogue leader. The synagogue leader wants it for his daughter. The woman wants it for herself. One approaches with boldness. One approaches with some fear, uncertainty. One is named. One is not named. This is important things in the gospel here. Maybe you feel like that nobody knows you. Um. And at once, it's not even that Jesus kept walking and then later he thought, oh, there's something happened here. I missed that. It was like he's walking along with the crowd all pressing against him and at once. Now, as I've talked about my procrastinations, uh, There's also the interruptions that come. And I kid you not, as I was writing this sentence, as I was in this spot, as I was at this point in my message writing, my phone rang. <laughs> I kid you not. And I thought, now, can I ignore it? Um, do I want to talk to them? You've never thought that, I know. Um, is it important that I talk to them? Now, when it's your chair of elders, you probably should talk to them. Um, <laughs> So my chair of elders ring me at this point in my message preparation and we have a chat about future uh, ideas and thoughts and messages and all sorts of things. It was a 13-minute conversation. The chair of elders interrupted the flow. Was that conversation any less my purpose in that moment than preparing a message for today? You could respond in that moment if you like. No. 
It's not. Now, there are times where I have uh, left my phone and uh, put my phone on Do Not Disturb where people leave messages because I really... There's probably I've hit that panic attack of year 10 English that I need to get something done. But there are interruptions that are actually beneficial and extend the purpose of what I'm doing. There's those interrupted moments. And if you've been around ministry or church life any length of time, you know that you can get a phone call at any time of day and sometimes night of uh, emergencies, people up at the hospital, uh, people in emergency, people giving birth, people dying, people have died. These kind of things interrupt your days. They interrupt your plans. Now, I don't, some of you work on farms, some of you work in hospitals, some of you work in schools, some of you are retired, some of you still have plans in your retirement about what you can do, some, you know, all sorts of industries. And I'm sure you all go about your jobs and every day you have a purpose that you want to achieve, yeah? You've got things you want to get done. You want to get lists. You want to get ticked. You've got expectations from your boss or from your family. What do you do with the interruptions? And here's my encouragement to you. Don't lose focus of your purpose because of the interruptions because the purpose might actually be a revelation of the Holy Spirit for you and for someone around you. Do you know that moment... You know, I hear stories about farmers when they're out, you know, they're all set, they're about to go sowing and a piece of machinery breaks. I wish I could name something just off the top of my head, but it's gone blank. A piece of machinery breaks. An interruption, yeah? You've got a plan. Could that be a moment of a Holy Spirit revelation? In the hospital, in your homes, you know, some of you, uh, you've got plans about where you want to travel, how you want to travel, when you want to travel, and you get a phone call that changes your plans. Could that be a Holy Spirit revelation of God interrupting and revealing a new purpose or expanding your purpose? Because we can get so focused on one thing, we lose sight, I think, of these little moments that God actually invites us into something deeper. Is this resonating with anyone? I think we get so stuck in what we think we're called to do and what we think we should do that we lose the moment of the Holy Spirit inviting us to at once just stop and realise there is a different power at work here. We get so taken up with the crowd maybe. And maybe this is your word today. You know, you're walking with the crowd and you're just wanting to reach out with Jesus. When Jesus turns around and calls you by name, and recognises you and sees you. That's not a moment to fob him off. I know, heard the story too many times, and if you've been in the church for any length of time, you have felt fobbed off. You have felt ignored. You have felt like someone doesn't know you or hasn't seen you. That's a moment where you need to come back and have confidence in the fact that you are known, that you are seen, that you are, have an encounter and the possibility of an encounter, no matter how frail it might feel, with Jesus. Because people will disappoint you. Put your hand up if you haven't experienced that yet. Ministers disappoint you. Put your hand up if you haven't experienced that yet. Yeah, that's what I thought. Oh, thanks, Phil. Thanks. Yeah. That's my uncle over there. So. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Um, you know, we get disappointed and that begins to inform the relationship with Jesus. We look at Jesus through the lens of disappointment rather than looking at disappointment through the lens of Jesus. A mic drop, I should walk off now. See, I, I think Jesus, this is a beautiful thing, and I think Jesus pays attention to the interruptions as part of his purpose. He doesn't lose sight of his purpose to bring healing, to bring wholeness, to bring a kingdom reflection. And that's the distinction. Is this going to express something of the kingdom in my, if I'm interrupted? If I pursue this, can I express the kingdom? Is this a part of seeing God's kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven? Yes, I'm going to step into it. And I think this is a beautiful gift and a beautiful example from Jesus. One that we would do well to pay attention to. Jesus pays attention to the interruptions as part of his purpose. I read this beautiful quote from uh, Eugene Peterson, and uh, he's an incredible author, uh, has worked in pastoral ministry and uh, done some incredible things. And scriptures and our best pastoral traditions train us, he says, to notice the small, persevere in the commonplace, and appreciate the obscure. Oh, how good is that? When the crowd presses in and we feel like we're not even worth noticing, when we would rather hide away, Jesus reminds us to notice the small, persevere in the commonplace and appreciate the obscure. We can get so caught up in our own vision of what we think we should be doing or what we think our task is that we're not prepared to stop and realise that the work of Holy Spirit is doing something in that very moment because we're too affronted by an interruption. And yeah, sure, there might be some interruptions that are not God-honouring. There might be some interruptions that are not helpful. We've got to discern that in that moment. But I think Jesus sets an illustration for us about where our attention can be drawn. Even he's, he's got a synagogue leader, a man of importance, a man who is named in the gospel, inviting him into his house. Surely that takes priority. Nope. Not any more priority than a woman that we don't know any more about than she had been bleeding for 12 years. The gospel writer doesn't name her, which I think is fascinating. So we go on. And I invite you to pay attention to what God might actually be doing. Because as I said, even as Jesus is invited by a synagogue leader, he stops for someone not known, not recognised or named. Mark uh, chapter 5, verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Now this in itself is really significant and moment. There's something happening in the household here. Jairus has become convinced as a synagogue leader. Remember, he's, he's a man in the Jewish community who is, by approaching Jesus even, has put his position in the synagogue at risk. You understand that? 
All right? So he's put himself at risk. Now, I don't know if Jairus understands who Jesus is fully. I don't know if he's communicated that with his household. But what fascinates me is that his household come, oh, I suspect there's some kind of doubt or suspicion about Jesus here. Because the most that the household can recognize about Jesus is that he's a teacher. And if, if you're reading through the Gospel of Mark, you will see some will call him Lord and some will call him Master. And there's a, an overwhelming sense of faith in that. Some will say, you know, who is he? Uh, and this, this group of people just call him teacher. Huh. What's happening there? There's, there's lots of little in-jokes in the Gospel of Mark. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. Yeah, fair enough, you would think, wouldn't you? He went in and said to them, why all this commotion? <laughs> You've got to laugh at that, don't you? Like Jesus is asking a question he knows the answer to. It's fair enough that there's this commotion and wailing. What he's inviting us into is the open my eyes to the things that are not yet seen. Remember that song we sung? Oh, okay, no. Um, the child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talithakum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. <clears throat> um, I just think it's a... There's a, such a big parallel. It's a fascinating parallel, and I, I hope you've got it. I hope I explain it well enough for you here. Um, here is a woman who had emptied herself of all the resources, and Jesus was her last act of desperation. Jairus, I would imagine, had all the resources available to him, and he approaches Jesus. Are you getting a distinction here? The woman who had probably very little faith can do no more than touch the edge of the cloak of Jesus. Jairus has believed, has believed with boldness and earnestly believed, we were told in scriptures, that Jesus could heal his daughter. And the moment of testing comes when he cannot yet see that happening. And for some of us, we've been waiting a long time for something that we feel is dead come to life. And whether we've been waiting for 12 years or whether we feel like we've been waiting and earnestly seeking God and some, somehow that's just been spoken death over and Jesus says, just wait. Let me show you what I can do. Will your faith trust Jesus in that moment? Will you trust Jesus? Either when you've got all the resources available to you 
or when you have no resources available to you, will you trust him to do a miracle in your life? Will you trust him to do a miracle in that situation today? Will you trust, even if you don't see it today, even if you don't see it next week, even if you don't see it for another 12 years, will you trust him? Because that's the invitation here. To trust Jesus no matter how we reach out. Now I don't, I just want to, so that's the invitation today, but I also want to recognise that this fascinates me in this text that we're told at the end that Jesus gives strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. And they do. We assume they, they don't tell anybody. Was it because that the crowds were there? You remember that up, up until this time, every time Jesus said, don't tell anybody, they can't help themselves. They have to tell somebody. This time, for whatever, I don't understand, I'm just highlighting this, that I don't actually know everything. You might have a different idea here. But actually, there's no indication, there's no idea of proclamation. When Mark is so much about proclamation, in this very moment, there's none. Now, I don't know if it's because he decided there was enough of the crowds, or I don't know if this was a moment where Peter was writing the Gospel of Mark, and he's going, oh, Remember that time. We have to write that story in now. We have to remind people what happened here. This is the power of testimony. It might not have been proclaimed in that moment, but at this very point when this is written down, this is the moment that something stirs within and we go, oh, remember when Jesus did that. And maybe that's the gift in this moment. Maybe you don't know or maybe you've forgotten something. Maybe you need to be reminded of when Jesus did something in your life and today could be the moment or this week in a relationship, in a conversation could be the moment where you proclaim what Jesus has done in your life. I just think this is a fascinating quirk in the Gospel of Mark, and in, I think in, when we don't know the answer or when we see things unfinished, I think the Gospel of Mark, uh, Peter, the author of Mark, actually, it's an invitation. All right, this is an invitation for us, perhaps. Remember what Jesus has done for you. Even if you're waiting for another miracle, even if you're waiting for something else to happen, remember who Jesus is. He's not just a teacher, He's the healer, He's the Savior. He's the master. He's the author and the creator. Remember, he has authority over, um, over the wind and the waves. He has authority over forgiveness. He has authority over the spirits. And he has the authority to bring life over death. So let me close here and uh, invite you to consider this. You are seen. I want to remind you and leave you with these reminders. Whatever heartache you're experiencing at the moment, whatever struggle that you feel too embarrassed to talk about, whatever struggle that you've endured for a long period of time, you are seen. And Jesus is ready to meet with you. Jesus is ready to, to, uh, for you to reach out. He's ready to look you in the face. He calls you by name. He knows you. You are not unknown to him. Whatever miracle that you're waiting for, whatever disappointment that you felt, whatever hope that you might have, 
whatever tiredness you're experiencing and the hope is fading, look, can I just increase hope and faith in you? Can I speak hope and faith into your heart, into your mind, into your spirit and say, Jesus sees it. Whatever, whatever time you think you have lost, whatever opportunity has been lost, whatever opportunity has disappeared or gone, I want to encourage you to trust in God's timing. Trust in his provision, trust in his revelation, trust in his healing. Trust that he's working out his purposes according to his time for the glory of his kingdom out of his love. Father, we want to uh, honour you, we celebrate you, we give thanks for all that you are doing. We recognise that even now, Holy Spirit, that you are working amongst us. Some have been waiting many, many years. Some of us sitting here today, Father, probably, oh, maybe we've just lost hope. Father, I just pray, Holy Spirit, now that you would just reach out, that you would somehow uh, encounter those people who are just sitting here and saying, all I can do is reach out and touch your cloak, Jesus. Right now, Father, that you would minister into their lives. That they would not leave this place unseen by you. That they would know your healing. That they would know your promise. That they would know your hope. Father, for those of us who have been uh, disappointed, for those of us who feel like we came to you earnestly and haven't yet seen what we were hoping for, what we prayed for, what we sought after, may we just have enough belief to know that you are continuing to breathe new life into things that we thought have no life in them. Minister your grace and your peace, your hope, your healing your salvation. May we know you as more than teacher. May we know you as our master. May we know you as our friend. May we know you as our saviour, our healer. The one who restores, the one who renews, the one who refreshes, the one who reveals, the one who transforms us. Holy Spirit, come into this place. Minister, continue your ministry now. Continue to empower and remind and release. Increase faith in us and through us, Father.